today on Lawyers Rising. Part of being average means, you know, not having to be in the most competitive environment imaginable. Why you might be better off being an average attorney rather than an exceptional one. Hello and welcome. I'm joined today by three members of the BCG Attorney Search Team. Bree Mills is Recruiting Manager, Jennifer McNeil is a recruiter, and Harrison Barnes is the Founder and Chief Executive. Hello to you all. Hi, Danny. So today we're going to talk about something that might be, um, well, a little difficult, I think, to uh, to bring up to yourself or, or indeed to, to a coworker, and that is the difference between being average or being exceptional. I think when we're raised and, and we're coming up, especially in school, we're kind of taught to strive to be the best. In the culture broadly, it's really encouraged to try and be the best and, and, and the, the best of things in sports or captains of industry are, are really lionized. But uh, Harrison, you really recently wrote an article in which you argued that it's just fine being average and that in fact, concentrating too much on trying to be exceptional uh, can be quite detrimental, not only to your career, but even to your private life. Why were you motivated to write that article, Harrison? Um, well, I've seen so many attorneys that I know and that I you know, practiced law with when I was younger. And um, I mean, I'm still in my 40s, but you know, a lot of them have died. Uh, you know, I had other health issues. Uh, you know, I know people that have, or at least a couple that have committed suicide that were very you know, competitive. You know, lots of attorneys that have gotten cancer and um, you know, had substance abuse problems. And, you know, so to me, I think a lot of that is, was driven by, you know, and them dying early and so forth was really driven by their, uh, you know, desire to just, you know, constantly be very, very competitive and do the best they can. And in almost every case, those people were in major cities, uh, working in major firms or trying to have been out of major firms and are trying to get back into major firms. And so I saw that. And then the other thing that was interesting to me was, you know, I clerked in a, in a relatively small city, uh, you know, when I got out of law school and I got to know, um, you know, a bunch of attorneys in that area of the country and they all started kind of at small to mid-sized firms. And so the thing I noticed like years later that was interesting that I looked them up all up a couple of years ago was all those people were still practicing and they, they actually all kind of look vibrant and so forth and, and relatively happy in their pictures. And then, you know, thinking of all the people that I practice with that were so competitive and these trying to go to these major markets and so forth and the ones that stuck with the practice of law, um, a lot of them, n- not all of them, of course, I mean, because people, a lot of people that I know succeeded and are still doing well, but um, a lot of them just seemed like they had a lot of, you know, problems. And I think a lot of the problems come from, uh, you know, comparing yourself to others, you know, never feeling you're good enough, working as hard as you possibly can to the expense of your family and your personal life, and then doing that, uh, you know, even when you're unhappy and it's not going well for you. Jennifer, I have to imagine that it's, you know, no one really wants to be told that they're they're average, but I, I imagine that's especially true amongst lawyers, a, f- a fairly competitive bunch. Can you talk a little bit about that and your thoughts about, um, well, just how hard it is for maybe lawyers, especially to, to learn this lesson that it's okay to be average? Um, sure. I mean, I think, you know, I don't necessarily tell people that they're average. Um, I do try to counsel them on finding a firm that's the best fit for them. Um, you know, and, and one thing, you know, like you mentioned, attorneys are very competitive. And nowadays, there's so much information on various law firms and how much they pay. You know, there's a lot of competition for the firms that are paying the most. And everyone thinks that they deserve that salary. Um, even if, they like 
could never compete at one of you know one of those firms or, or get the job. Um, so that's really the struggle that I see is when talking to them. You know, everyone thinks that they deserve you know, the f- salary that top firms are paying, and trying to counsel them and let them know that you know really um, only a small percentage of attorneys make that amount, and that you know there are benefits to working at firms that may be a little bit more average, like work-life balance, more opportunity for hands-on experience nicer coworkers, that type of thing. But it is really hard because people don't really want to hear that they would not be able to get one of those jobs. And, you know, sometimes I'll use examples of other candidates, you know, I'll, I'll give anecdotal stories to kind of, you know, rather than say to the candidate, you're, you know, average, I'll, I'll mention other candidates that are similar, but, you know, try to give examples of, you know, certain people looking for, you know, a top law firm and then you know, only finding jobs with, you know, the more average firm. Um, So I don't know, it is something that I think, you know, since publishing this article, like we can start to think a bit more about how to approach whether someone's average or not. And, and the statistic that I've seen a lot is like, um, you know, the study where they ask people like whether they think they're above average drivers or not. And I think, you know, 60 or 70% say that they're above average and that's like statistically impossible. So, you know, I do think on the whole, like humans are kind of programmed to think that they're better than they are. So that's kind of a challenge we have to overcome. Bree, do you think uh, average attorneys are happier in the long run? Yeah, I think that if you are so myopically focused on success and to the point of kind of, as Harrison mentioned, to the ex- at the expense of your family and friends and health and, and happiness, um, you know, if you are very career driven, I mean, there could be some people that find a lot of happiness in being career driven, but I think a lot of people's natural state is not that. And they're kind of um, subject to an environment where they're being pushed to be excellent um, because of everybody around them. And it may not be your, your actual status quo of, of like inside yourself. Um, so it's, I think a lot of attorneys are sort of put in a position where they are, they are being asked to kind of go against their nature and, and do some of these, you know, to, to be successful. Um, and it's just not everybody's built that way. I mean, I think a lot of attorneys are built that way, but I don't, I think it's probably a false sense of the importance of, of, you know, su- having that immense amount of success. So, I mean, I, I think there are lots of small practices that you can be very happy in. And I do think it's an amazing number of attorneys who, just quit practicing law because they aren't happy being in that ultra competitive space. So I, I th- yeah, I, I think that there are definitely a lot of very unhappy attorneys. Yeah. Harrison, circling back to something that you had mentioned earlier about, um, you know, watching certain kinds of attorneys be kind of miserable as they move through their career by not kind of fully accepting reality. Do you find that that changes as they get older or, you know, can, can younger attorneys kind of accept this fact as well? Or is it something that comes more with experience and age? Well, I think as attorneys get older, I think that their energy and their expectations may go down. Um, what concerns me the most, though, is, uh, you know, I see so many people that quit the practice of law or do something else or go in-house and, um, you know, because they're so concerned, they, they believe that they have to just be at the very, very top. And I don't think that's true. I mean, part of being average means, you know, not having to be in the most competitive environment imaginable. So that's the big thing that kind of concerns me is I think, you know, I think as attorneys get older, a lot of them will, um, you know, do get uh, more interested in doing things that aren't necessarily as, uh, you know, 
competitive. But you know, it, it does concern me. I think quite a bit when I see you know attorneys that are um, you know leave the practice of law or believe they need to go in house or believe they need to do something else just because they're in this ultra competitive environment. Because the benefit of the law firm is just you know if you stay in a law firm your whole career, you can actually have a very good you know career and. Uh, you can develop a book of business and then you're kind of running your own business uh, in addition to working in a law firm. And there's just there's just so many uh, you know benefits to working inside of a law firm that it's always you know sad to me when people give up on it because they they think that all law firms are super competitive or they think that they you know need to do something else because it's just it's not going to work for them uh, if they stay in a law firm and they feel like they need to be in the most competitive law firm. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of different factors at play here. Not only, as I mentioned at the beginning, is there a broader culture that really emphasizes being exceptional and indeed telling kids that they are really exceptional, but then coming up through the the crucible of law school, also extremely competitive. The first few years of your career, very, very competitive. It's hard once you get into that mindset to break out of it uh, and to kind of get a a broader perspective. Uh, Bree mentioned the word myopic earlier. I think that's very, very true. Um, Any advice for people to try and gain, uh, to see the forest from the trees, to to kind of break out of that uh, that viewpoint? Well, I think you have to realize that, you know, what, you know, you're really on, on the earth once. And so, you know, you need to be as happy as you possibly can be while you're here. And, uh, you know, if you're spending your time doing something that may necessarily make you happy, then then that's a problem. Uh, you know, another thing that kind of concerns me that I see a lot is, you know, I see a lot of attorneys just feel, and I think it's like this in every profession, but I feel like, you know, they become a hostage to these jobs and having to, you know, earn very high incomes and, um, you know, support mortgages and, you know, families and cars and relatives and everything. And so, you know, anytime someone, you know, becomes very successful, uh, you know, and attorneys can become very successful very quickly and make a lot of money, then all sorts of people are going to come after them and expect them to continue making more and more. And then their whole value becomes, you know, being as part of this, you know, making all these major economic uh, um, contributors contributions to other people. And, you know, an interesting story would be like Rockefeller. Um, he retired when he was in his middle, when he was in middle age, I mean, he was fairly young. And, you know, he tried to raise his kids without them knowing that they had any advantages and so forth, because he wanted to raise a certain type of child. And, um, you know, if you read, um, there's an interesting book, it's called Titan. And if you read that book, uh, you know, you get to see that sort of his take on, uh, you know, all the money and everything that he did was, uh, you know, and all this hard work that was, you know, maybe there was there was something better than that. Uh, you know, so I think a lot of times the focus of attorneys that work so hard, especially inside of law firms, you know, the reward, because in most cases, you're not doing anything. It's not like you're working for a public interest law firm or you're, uh, you know, you're, you're basically working for money and the person that's paying you the most money, uh, you know, and is, is that what happiness is about? And honestly, it, it, it probably isn't. So I think that, you know, the sooner people realize that, the better off they'll be. So, you know, back to the story I told in the beginning of the people that I knew from, you know, when I, when I was working in this kind of small town, I mean, back then, you know, the salaries were much lower, but I would say that, you know, the starting salaries in those firms now are probably 60, probably 60% less than they would be in a major city. Um, when I was, when I started, which was, you know, quite a while ago, um, over 20 years ago, but um, I think the attorneys in that market were probably making, you know, forty-five, fifty-five thousand dollars a year, and 
you know, and the, the law firms in big cities are paying like 85 or 90. So, I mean, that's probably what is that half. And, but those people are very, very happy and they have good lives. And I'm sure that they have the same problems as everyone else, but they're certainly not killing themselves, you know, working crazy hours. And, um, and most of them haven't had multiple jobs and, um, you know, they've been at the same firms, which I thought was very interesting too. Cause if you start out in a, you know, smaller to mid-sized market, uh, the odds are that you'll, spend a lot more time in that firm too than you would if you went into a big firm where you'll move or you're expected to move and so forth like that. So I think it's all a question of values, but I think that people that are happier a lot of times uh, aren't really trying to prove something to other people. And it's more about, you know, trying to be happy themselves. I think uh, something that Harrison said really struck a chord with me. I mean, you have to kind of, I got really good advice from a law, um, a law school professor that I had when you're going into these big firms. It's very tempting to take all this money and, you know, potentially, oh, wow, in like two years, I can have a down payment on a house. Um, and then you kind of, you continue to have your student loans and now you have your mortgage and it's kind of a golden handcuff situation where you really are stuck now having to make that really top salary because you very kind of quickly come up to this this quality of life where you're spending thousands of dollars a month on these fixed costs now. Um, you know, and so I really took that to heart and I, and I'd made a very concerted effort to pay off my student loans, um, and, and put uh, all that huge salary towards that. And you have some freedom, like you no longer have to stay in that place where you're making way more money than you can probably make if you, if you go someplace else. So it's kind of a little bit of life planning and like assessing your values at the outset of what am I getting into and, and making sure you don't kind of trap yourself by making bad decisions monetarily that are going to make you have to stay in a place where you are unhappy. Hmm. You know, I think one of the things that's come out of this conversation so far is an emphasis on, on knowing what you really want, really understanding what you want to get out of your career and, and your life more broadly. And Jennifer, you were talking about uh, counseling your clients. Is that a big part of the early process uh, when you start to work with somebody is to get a, a full sense of what you think they want or indeed to get them to realize what they really want? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people might initially call us for reasons like, you know, their firm not matching a salary or seeing somebody make more money. Um, you know, a lot of these ego-driven um, considerations when looking for a new job. And, you know, we really, like, I really try to get to know them and what their what their goals really are, like what they're looking for in their next firm. I mean, one thing that I think uh, a lot of junior attorneys um, struggle with is that being a law student is very different than practicing law. And, you know, law school, you know, I, I'm a former attorney and like, Law school's super intellectually stimulating. You're with a lot of really smart people. You, know, you have a lot in common, and you know it's it's very um, engaging. And then you get to be a lawyer, especially junior attorneys, and you you might get stuck on doc review or due diligence or some of these things that are not as interesting. So you know it's really important to get to the bottom of why people are trying to make a move, um, and really focusing on like what their aptitudes are where they excel in a law firm, you know, even like an average attorney might be better at, you know, administration versus research versus writing or whatever else. Um, And, you know, finding like the types of things that are important to them, like Brie, I remember once I was interviewing for a law firm and the partner told me that, you know, as she makes more money, she just spends more money. Um, And that, you know, that wasn't really the best reason for making um, any sort of career decision. So, you know, trying to get to the bottom of like, what's really driving their move and what they should look for 
you know, and one thing that I think attorneys should keep in mind is like their long-term prospects. So, you know, at the beginning of the career, you know, I meet a lot of people who care a lot about the paycheck and they're talking to their friends and, you know, asking like, do you want to make partnership? You know, do you want to make partner? Like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? Because that affects um, where they decide to work. Um, you know, the prospects of making partner at a large AM law firm are very slim uh, versus going to a more middle market firm where you know, the billable rate is lower. There's a lot more support for growing business. Um, you might get you know, all sorts of incentives to do that. So um, kind of looking at short versus long-term goals and you know, kind of counseling them to go to a place where they can be you know, a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So I think a lot of it's just getting to know people. And I think one advantage we have at BCG is that a lot of us are former attorneys who've been through it ourselves. You know, we all went to top schools and worked at big firms and, you know, just sort of being able to relate to my candidates and, and like give them kind of my experience and my sort of anecdotal stories about some of the you know good choices and bad choices I made in my career um, really helps me get to know them and provide the best advice I can. So I think the research is fairly compelling right now that social media is kind of making us all miserable. And one of the big reasons that is, is that we're constantly comparing ourselves to our peers, our family members. We get to see their trips and their new homes and whatever great things are happening in their life. Everyone's curating to show the best possible parts of their life. And when you're comparing yourself to that on an ongoing basis, well, it tends to make you kind of miserable. And I wonder if that's playing into this a little bit as well about this um, this sense of trying to strive for things that maybe you don't necessarily want. I'm kind of just leaving this open to anybody. Do you think that's part of what's happening now? Are people overly comparing themselves to everyone else? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think everybody's trying to compare themselves to other people. And I think that's part of what, uh, you know, social media does. It, uh, you know, makes people feel, uh, you know, I mean, some people are very good at it and promoters, but, you know, like anything, most people, um, the majority of people aren't going to be. So, I think people see what other people are doing and uh, and they may feel, uh, you know, inferior. I think other people, you know, whether it's uh, social things or material things. And um, and I think one thing that Bree said that was interesting is, you know, it's all about kind of your value system. So I think a lot of people, you know, when they see people, I mean, I see people driving around like in Rolls Royces and stuff all the time. And I think it's ridiculous. You know, I think it's like, a, you know, why would you want to, you know, do something like that just because it, you know, it's like you have something to prove, but, you know, the cost of that is obviously the car and, you know, and it's just, um, you know, it just seems like, but when I was younger, I thought, well, it seems like it's cool to drive around a Rolls Royce, you know? So, um, and so it's just, you know, it's, I think that, you know, people that, uh, you know, have values that are that way, if your values are going to be um, materialistic or they're going to be about, you know, how you compare to other people, then you're never going to be happy. And and I think that, you know, it's good to have um, values of getting better and better, but I think you need to, you know, internalize and then say what's best for you. And I think another mistake people make is instead of comparing themselves to where they, where they personally were in the past and realizing, you know, that their particular um, growth uh, and what they've done, they compare themselves to um, others. So a lot of times you're better off comparing yourself to your former self than other people. Um, does anyone want to jump in on this question as well? Because I'm interested if you have seen um, either uh, in your business helping young attorneys and attorneys find new positions or, or indeed in your former careers as, as attorneys, 
uh, the, the full costs of success. Um, nothing comes without a cost. And I think when you get to the very top of a certain field, a lot of other things fall by the wayside. I just wonder if anyone has any other anecdotal stories or something more generally to, to illustrate that point that, uh, you know, getting to the top can have really severe effects on other parts of your life. I mean, I don't think you have to look much farther than just what the reality is in a lot of big firms of, of partner level people um, whose marriages fall apart, who don't spend time with their kids, who I had a partner who almost prided himself on the fact that he was not at one of it, the, the birth of one of his kids. Um, and so that to me is a very toxic kind of atmosphere when that type of um, <laughs> that is almost like a badge of honor to be working so hard that um, you literally are not at the birth of your child. So, um, you know, and, I, and just seeing partners, I, I remember like going to, to dinners and stuff with partners and like, they're just constantly on their, they were at the time it was a Blackberry, but they're constantly on their Blackberries, you know, and they're just cannot be, you're not ever fully present. Um, and it's even just in my own life and my husband, um, has his own practice and he's much happier and much like busy, much less of the time. And I only very rarely see times where he's actually, he's like completely not focused on what I'm talking about or what I'm saying. And to me, like that's, it's just a small sample of what would be happening if, if he were a partner, like in a big firm, that would be like the constant life. Like this happens, you know, once every two months where I feel like he's completely, you know, not present with me, but it's, I can't imagine having a, a successful relationship if that's kind of how your, your value system is always, you know, work oriented. I think there's the difference, you know, my mom used to chastise me a little bit when I was working long hours at, at one of the big firms. And she's like, well, do you want to, do you live to work or work to live? And I think oftentimes, you know, especially when people make such high salaries at these big law firms, you're expected to live to work. And, you know, you're, I was always on call. And I had colleagues who, one of my colleagues lived across the street from the firm so that, you know, he was available at all hours of the day if they needed anything. And, you know, you see a lot of just kind of when people take time off, they just sort of really kind of go crazy. And um, like, there's no balance. And I think, you know, you do see a lot of, like, I saw a lot of situations um, where a lot of the partners had stay-at-home spouses so that they could be supported and, and you know, handle all of the things, like, you know, all of the errands and whatnot. Um, and, and I do think um, you do see a lot of the health issues, and there's very little empathy at some of these big firms, like, you know, of the top achievers, um, you know, if they want to take paternity leave or, you know, have a vacation, you might be expected to drop that. So, you know, there's very little kind of empathy for, um, for people's needs outside of work. And a lot of the sort of top performers or top partners have structured their lives where, you know, they don't do any of that, those things outside of work. Um, you know, even their socializing is with co work colleagues. So, you know, definitely as people kind of move up the ranks in a firm, you can see how like limited their, their lives are to, to just work. And I do hope, I do hope this is something that's, that's going to change. Um, I'm, We've been talking internally about a firm that we're aware of um, here at BCG Attorney Search. That's like a, it's a new firm that's headed up by some young people, um, very young attorneys who are doing great. Um, but they they are really opening up the possibility of bringing on um, particularly female attorneys who want to work remotely, work more part time, um, and to you know see the value in the, the the incredible intelligence of some of these attorneys that they feel are being vastly underutilized um and i'm i'm hoping that this is a 
beacon of things to come, um, that, that there will be more firms that will start to understand and appreciate that there are more valuable things in life than just working your butt off um, day in, day out and finding you know, ways to accommodate different lifestyles and, and having attorneys who work for you, you know, on a different kind of basis. So I hope that this is a trend that will continue and that I don't know if that'll ever be the case with these big firms, but potentially with these smaller firms that are opening up, um, there can be more room for for appreciating more to life. <laughs> So, you know, despite all these very salient points about why it's important to uh, focus on uh, what was going to really make you happy rather than the things that are, you've been told will make you happy, I know there are people right now listening to us. In fact, I can hear them if you really listen closely or screaming at us right now that, damn it, I am exceptional. Uh, I'm going to be fantastic. I'm going to reach to the very top. Most of those men, uh, most of those people are young men. I'm almost sure of it. But uh, despite that point, I wonder if we could give some advice to help them focus the mind somewhat on what it's going to take to really be exceptional. Harris, do you have any thoughts on that about if they're convinced they're going to be the greatest and the best? What does that mean? What does that look like in terms of uh, the effort that's going to be required? Well, I mean, the first thing is, I mean, there are people that uh, are exceptional and there are certain people that are just completely natural uh, at practicing law. And uh, and, and should be doing it and shouldn't actually, you know, this this is not telling them to be average because there are people that do it. I mean, I know people that have stepped into law firms and within, you know, like a year have started bringing in clients that are big companies and, you know, just have a real um, ability to do it and are very smart and uh, good with people and good, you know, are very exceptionally good technically and really like the work and should be practicing law and are have a, have a major aptitude for it and uh, don't mind the hours and can, you know, effectively balance outside relationships while, while still working the same hours. I mean, it's not to say, you know, the practicing law is a great profession and it's, it's really a good profession for the right person. It's just that not everybody's in, in the right profession and, uh, and, and not everybody is cut out to work in major law firms. I mean, you have to, you have to get a, a lot of satisfaction from, you know, working crazy hours and, um, you know, and, and being good at it. And I, I'm thinking right now of, a, of an attorney I know that uh, he was at Cravath and then he went to another law firm and um, he worked incredible hours, like, you know, 37, 3,800 hours a year. And I thought to myself, you know, there's no one that's, that's more suited to practicing law than this guy. Um, but he worked so hard, you know, and he, he, he made partner, um, you know, now he, um, you know, he actually has a, you know, a half share in a, in a jet uh, and does very well. I mean, he lives, um, you know, in a pretty awesome house, uh, not too far from me. And, um, but the guy, um, you know, has been through a couple divorces and he's still involved with one divorce he's going through. And, uh, you know, and he's, he's a pretty much, you know, lives on alcohol, you know, so, uh, you know, he probably drinks more, uh, probably gets more nutrition from alcohol than he gets from food. So, you know, so, you know, there's, there's limits. And this is someone that was very, very, you know, suited to practicing law. The problem with this particular person is he just, you know, didn't set limits for himself and just went too much all in and, and just gave too much of himself to it. And now it's destroying him. So the point is, and, and a lot of people around him that I know that have done stuff similar are, have died. So, you just you have to um, set limits, and the thing is, is if you're, you know, working because you love it, that's great. But um, you can always turn down work, and if you're really, really good at it, 
you, sh- you shouldn't be working that hard. You know, you should set limits for yourself and you ha- you just have to, uh, you know, have uh, other priorities. And, uh, you know, and a lot of attorneys too, the other thing is, is that, you know, even if you're very, very suited for it, uh, you're just, you know, you're not, you're, you're just not going to have a great life if that's all you do. I mean, you just need to, you know, be involved in other things. I think that's, that's my biggest piece of advice, I guess. You know, I'm interested, uh, either Jennifer or Bree, about uh, the question of what it means to find purpose in your career, um, not just, you know, having a career or achieving certain goals in that career, but actually getting something that really fires you up to get out of bed in the morning. Not an easy thing to necessarily find or accomplish, but do you have any thoughts on that about uh, really understanding what your purpose is in your career rather than just what your career goals are? I mean, I think a lot of it is finding a firm that's a great fit and, you know, um, where you can excel. And I think um, a lot of success in a firm is building the right number of hours, starting to develop business um, and, and finding a firm where you're really valued. Like um, I get a lot of out of this job, for instance, because I feel like I'm successful and I'm really valued here and it's a good fit for my aptitudes. Like I'm, I enjoy recruiting and working with attorneys um, to find new positions. So I really do think finding something where you feel where you're kind of fulfilled by work because you feel valued and part of a team. And I have to agree with Harrison too. Like I feel like hobbies and outside interests are very important. Um, I have a lot of hobbies and it's nice because those help fill whatever holes that my job may leave, you know, that I get satisfaction from making things or traveling or, you know, whatever other hobbies you have where I get some sort of like self-worth from that and not just my job. Like, I think it's important that my job is not the only thing that defines me. Um, So that I think is really pivotal to like a kind of happy uh, attorney is, you know, not being kind of having all of your self-worth based on work because, you know, work can like change and, you know, you might work with, um, you know, a partner who's abusive or, you know, with the team that doesn't value you. And, um, you know, that can't be the only thing on which you base your self-esteem. So I think it's really important to have that balance and kind of understand where you're like, what you value, because, you know, if it is just working hard, then that's fine. But, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, there's, there's more to life than work and really kind of you know, setting kind of the the parameters of your work so that you can do those other things. You mentioned something earlier, Jennifer, that I found really interesting that um, there was that poll that 60% of people identify themselves as being above average, which I think is very distinctly American uh, in quality and character. Um, Americans really like to believe that they are uh, amongst the best. They are the best, but the simple fact of the matter is that the numbers just don't work out that way. Even when it comes down to you know, the number of great law schools, how many people are going to get into those, even who are going to graduate in the top 10 of those, how many people are going to get into the top 10 of law firms out there. Uh, And indeed, if you get into that, how many are going to succeed to the very top of of those, that the numbers become winnowed down ever increasingly. And I think it's kind of important maybe to to focus on those facts every once in a while, to make sure that you uh, have something of a reality check. I'm kind of just not really asking a question there. Does anybody want to jump in on that point though? I do think one thing that it's important as you know, if you go to one of the smaller schools to just make sure you excel in those places um, in order to kind of like even the playing field when you graduate. Um, because I think, and I speak with the people all the time who, you know, may have chosen to go to a smaller school for whatever reason, maybe they got a scholarship or it was in the location they were looking for or whatever else. And, you know, if they just are kind of, um, you know, just kind of doing the work and not really succeeding, you know, they do struggle later on in their career. So I think, 
one way to kind of um, to really set yourself up for success is if you do go to one of these schools that's maybe more average, is like you can be above average in that place. But yeah, I do think the natural inclination of most people we talk to is that they might think that they're better than they are or more marketable than they are. And really, like as a recruiter, um, I think one of the important parts of our job is to counsel them and give them kind of um, good advice about where they might succeed um, as opposed to like you know, just going to the very top firms. You know, my real takeaway from this conversation isn't so much to say, like, everyone needs to understand they're not great, <laughs> which it rather that they need to kind of reorient what their measures of success are. And that um, kind of coming up with uh, other people's measures of success isn't necessarily going to be a path to happiness. And do you think I'm right in saying that? Anybody can kind of jump in on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you need other people around you to keep you motivated, though, and doing well. I think that, uh, you know, there's an interesting story about, uh, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, where, uh, you know, he moved at, you know, at one point in his career to Wisconsin to work on a big project, and he moved alone, and he left everyone that he'd been working for, uh, I think, back in Chicago. And, you know, he didn't do, I don't know what the period was, it was six years or seven years, but he just kind of went into this huge funk, because he didn't have anybody around him, and uh, and he didn't really get any work done and there was no productivity and it was kind of considered one of the least creative and least, uh, you know, productive periods of his life. So, I, you know, you do need to be um, around other people and uh, the more competitive those people are, a lot of times the better you'll get and the more fun your job will be. And, uh, and, and if you're not around competitive people or you're not around people that are pushing you and making you happy, then uh, then that's not good either. I mean, every successful organization and, and person for the most part, I mean, ha, you know, has other people around them that help them to get better and to, that challenges them and so forth. So nothing's wrong with a with a competitive legal environment. And I think they're actually very, very good and they make better attorneys. And in many cases, they make much happier attorneys. Like, you know, like Frank Lloyd Wright was not uh, by all accounts happy when he was alone. And a lot of people um, doing things alone aren't. But I think the, the point to take away from everything is uh, law firms have become kind of industrial organizations where uh, people are evaluated based on the number of hours they bill. And um, it, it can be very, very difficult to work in them. And, uh, you know, to subject yourself to, um, to that if you don't have to, and if you're not getting anything out of it, um, isn't necessarily a good thing because you're, um, it can take so much away from you. Uh, you know, it can sh- stop you from feeling, it can help you hurt your health, it can hurt your relationships. And so if you don't know how to set limits in those types of environments, you know, then you can, you know, turn up, uh, you know, sipping alcohol, like, uh, you know, all day, you know, working in a house or something and just, you know, not, not having a, a good career. So I think the, the point is, is that you just need to make sure that, you know, whatever you're doing, um, you know, it, it is a is a healthy balance, and the problem with a lot of major law firms is they don't provide a healthy balance for everybody. But for some people, they do. I mean, there's people that you know, um, you know. I was talking to a woman yesterday. They've been in the same law firm for you know 16 years, and she's at a huge law firm, and she's perfectly suited to it. You know, and sometimes you run across those people. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, you know, most partners and so forth in major law firms are fairly suited to it. I mean, and I think the one thing I would say that really makes them uh, exceptional and makes them suited to it is they're very good at setting limits uh, for themselves and with others. Uh, I think they're very, you know, honest and uh, forthright with people about what's possible and what's not possible. And um, they're definitely not um, easily, you know, manipulated by others a lot of times. And they work on their self-esteem 
And, uh, you know, even if things get very, you know, stressful, they tend to maintain um, a lot of composure um, in the face of that and perspective. And so, you know, I think just observing the people that seem like they have it together and handle it and those that don't and what goes wrong. I mean, you have to be a real observer inside of law firms. And, um, you know, and, and, and I think that's really the most important thing. Does anybody else have any clo- closing thoughts before we wrap things up? Um, I mean, I think the only thing I you know, that comes to mind is like just for um, attorneys out there, whether they're new to their career or you know, further along, is just to really sort of do a little bit of self-analysis to really figure out what's important to them. And, you know, if it is important that they work hard and bill a lot of hours and, you know, go after clients, that's, that's great. I mean, more power to them, but if they have other priorities um, and, you know, other things that kind of make them happy that they should try to work those into their career and, and find a firm or a job that's going to support that because ultimately that, that leads to more happiness. And then even you know, just being a little bit more realistic about, you know, their, their kind of long-term goals and, and who they are um, is very important. That's a great place to leave it. I really appreciate everyone making time for me today. That's all the time we have for this edition of Lawyers Rising. My thanks to Bree Mills, Jennifer McNeil, and Harrison Parnes. If you're an attorney looking for a change, go to bcgsearch.com.